0: I would invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Luke 11, 1-13. Luke 11, 1-13. As we speak this morning on This House Praise. This House Praise. As the weeks continue to build in our series, we're talking about the foundations which hold up the house which is called, which is called First Baptist Church. Last week we spoke of worship. This week we speak of of prayer. Our main statement for this morning is this. Prayer changes everything. Prayer changes everything. I don't know if you believe that. There are some that take the position, this is the famous Christian philosopher Kierkegaard said that prayer is not about changing God's plans but rather changing you that prayer is not any means of asking God to do something rather it is the means by our asking which God conforms us to his will now I'm not going to argue with the fact that our hearts change when we pray but as you read the Bible It is clear to me that when people prayed, things happened. When people prayed, things changed. I don't know how to reconcile all of those things and how it works with providence and so on and so forth. I just know this, that the pages of Scripture tell us it pays to intercede. This morning... I want to speak with you on Jesus' instructions for prayer. In Luke 11, verses 1 through 13, notice what His disciples note of Him. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when He finished, one of His disciples said to Him, Lord, teach us And my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his imprudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Friends, prayer changes everything. It's interesting to me that in Luke chapter 11, at the very beginning, the disciples note Jesus praying. Keep in mind everything they have seen Jesus do. They have seen Jesus heal the sick, cast out demons, teach on the mountainside, give parables as illustrations, preach to the crowds, defend the Word of God before the Pharisees, confront the Romans at times. They've seen Him do all of these things, and the thing that they ask Of him is Lord teach us to pray teach us to pray of all of those things that they saw Jesus do the one that they wanted to know was prayer Jesus gives what in Matthew is called the model prayer here in Luke it's a shortened version it's abbreviated And some argue that maybe it's the same prayer in the same situation and Matthew and Luke are just using the stories differently. Likely, it's probably two different prayers, both of which are good prayers to pray. But before we begin with the model, here's what I want you to see. What kind of prayer did they see Jesus praying when they asked to learn how to pray? First, It was private prayer, private prayer. Prayer is to be private. Look in verse number one. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus was praying privately when they asked for instruction. So Jesus prayed privately, but not just here. Listen to Mark 1.35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Listen to Matthew 14:23. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Mark chapter 6 and verse 46 and after he had taken leave of them he went up on the mountain to pray Luke 15:15 15, 15 through 16 But now even more the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him to be healed of their infirmities but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray Interesting Jesus' life and ministry was marked by moments of private prayer. Let's let this sink in just a minute. The God man, very God in the flesh of humanity, took time to privately pray. And not just in the quietness of in in his heart in the moment, which, of course, is appropriate. But he took time to separate himself from the crowd, separate himself from the disciples and to quieten his heart and to pray. Jesus prayed privately, and that's something we should see today. Not only did Jesus pray privately, but here's what we also see is that God rewards private prayer god rewards private prayer it was something about this private praying of jesus that the disciples looked at him and said we need to know how to do that right there matthew chapter 6 verses 5 through 6 says this and when you pray you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues And at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Early on in marriage... We had household chores, and we still do, but early on, I always thought I was doing Andrea a favor when I actually did them. Isn't that horrible? And I always wanted credit for doing them. So for instance, if I was to clean the kitchen or the bathroom or whatever, I would always clean it, but conveniently leave out the cleaners as evidence that I had done so. Why? because I liked getting credit I liked her to say oh babe thank you so much for doing that that is so selfish and you're probably thinking right now what a pig (laughs) All right (laughs) that is terrible but I'm telling you me like everybody else I love to be acknowledged when I do something right but the longer I'm married and the longer I've loved her, the more I find it is more rewarding to serve her, whether she sees it or not. You know, we love acknowledgement, but Jesus tells us something about prayer. Prayer is not to be looked at as a lucky charm. It's not to be looked at, well, it's just what Christians do, so we're going to do this in some public notable fashion not that public prayer is wrong we're going to talk about that in a minute but the posture of our heart is not that we should be pray expecting to be thanked so proud you prayed for your meal today so proud you prayed it I'm, I'm proud of you that's not the posture of prayer notice i'm going to read it again truly i say to you they have received their reward but when you Pray, go into your room. By the way, these are single use, not plural. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Let me tell you how I've seen this play out in my own life. When you engage the Lord in private prayer and you bear your heart before him and you are totally honest and you talk with him and you lay your requests before him. Let me tell you, one of the rewards you will receive is that you will see how he answers those prayers and only you will be able to appreciate it in its fullness. Only you will receive the reward of knowing that your father has heard you and has answered your prayer. This is the blessing and the treasure of private prayer that as you pray for things and as you pray over situations and then later on you see God move, you are rewarded with seeing God move. It's the blessing of private prayer. God rewards private prayer. But not only is prayer to be private, prayer is also to be corporate. It's also to be corporate. Notice again in verse number one, now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. What does that mean? That means they've heard John's disciples' prayers. That's a public prayer. And he said to them, when you pray, now the you here is not singular. It's plural. So this is what Jesus is saying. We'll use some southernese. When y'all pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Notice, when you, You all, when y'all pray, prayer is to be corporate. The disciples were asking for a prayer to set them apart as followers of Jesus. Now, if you know Matthew 6, in fact, I'll just turn over there for a minute. Matthew 6 and the great Sermon on the Mount, there are instructions for prayer. And in Matthew 6 verses 8 and 9, this won't be on the screen, but just hear this. He says, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask ask him. Notice verse 9. Pray then like this. And then he gives and proceeds with what we know as the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer. But now compare this to pray then like this to now Luke chapter 11 and verse number 2. And he said to them, When you pray, say. For instance, depending on what Christian tradition you grew up in, the Lord's Prayer or a prayer similar to what we find here in Luke 11, in my particular tradition, I was told that it's a model. It's only a model and a guide. We should not think that we are to pray this all of the time. But after carefully looking not just... In my own research, but also the research of several New Testament scholars in the Gospel of Luke, they say that Jesus is making it clear that the Lord desires from Luke 11 for us at times to pray this prayer. We should not ever hesitate and think that we cannot pray. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day your daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Friends, why do you think that it's important that we have at least one prayer that we're told every word to say? Let me tell you why I think it's important. Because sometimes you don't know how to pray. Sometimes you don't know how to pray. And if you don't know what to pray, here's a prayer that you can pray every day. I think that's one of the reasons why it's there. Now we do know from the New Testament that even when we don't know how we ought to pray, the Holy Spirit helps us and intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. We know that is true, but I want you to see here that it is not wrong. And when you don't know what to pray, the prayer that starts with our Father is plenty good enough. Prayer is to be corporate. The disciples were asking for a prayer to set them apart as followers of Jesus. This kind of prayer, notice... Is for the disciples. It is for the disciples. Jesus did not give instructions for prayers for the whole world, but for those who follow him. Those who follow him. Prayer is to be corporate. In fact, can we put the prayer on the screen? Can we do that together? Look in Luke chapter 11, verses. It begins in verse 2. Can we get that on the screen? I want you to say it with me. I know because I have memorized the one in Matthew. And I get that one confused and I'll start saying the one in Matthew. You can pray with your eyes open. Let's pray this together. Let's look at the screen. I'm going to look at this one because the words are bigger. All right? Let this be our prayer. Say it with me. Father. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Amen. You know, there's several points of encouragement here. You might think, well, gosh, I I don't know how to pray a long and beautiful prayer. Do you know the prayer that Jesus instructed us to pray with is rather short? Long prayers are beautiful and they are wonderful and they have their place. But the one Jesus says, if you need to go to, it is right there. This prayer is so concise that everyone in this room can memorize this over time. Prayer is to not only be private. It is to be corporate when we come together that we might hear each other's voices. Like, for instance, when I was listening earlier to Jess pray and to Julia pray and to David praying and Miss Jeannie, as I was listening to them, I was connecting with God as they're saying their words and speaking, there's something happening inside of me. I know I'm not the only one in this room because there were many of you too who were connecting with God as they prayed. Because prayer is to be corporate. It changes everything. It's not only to be private, but it's to be corporate. But also, not only can we pray the specific prayer that we're given instruction for, but we can also... Notice it as a model, and this is the instruction that Matthew chapter six gives. And what we see from this famous prayer is that our prayers, when we pray, because you might think, I, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what to pray. I remember as a kid, and I would listen to people pray in church. I knew I was to say Amen. I knew I was to say the phrase Lead, guide, and direct. I knew I was supposed to say. Uh, yes, or mm, at some point in the prayer. Like, you listen to these things, you go, okay, I guess that's, that's how we pray, right? Well, listen, this is Jesus' instruction. And by the way, I'm not linking light of lead, guide, and direct. I pray that every night with my children. Lord, lead, guide, and direct us. But, prayers should contain five major focuses, and we see these in verses 2 through 4. First, notice what it says. Father, hallowed be your name. Now, Matthew says, our Father. Luke says, when y'all pray, say Father. Prayer should contain five major focuses. And the first thing we ought to pray is the glory of God's name. The glory of God's name. You know one of the things that I love so much about this is because if you're anything like me on any given day a lot of things can be going wrong. And the first thing that Jesus says to pray for is not what's wrong with you, not what's going on, not what you think's wrong with your neighbors, but for the glory of God's name. Listen to John chapter 12 and verse 27. Jesus says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. I want you to look at this verse. Father, hallowed be your name. Well, we don't use the word hallowed much. What does hallowed mean? It is literally asking God that his name would be honored as holy. Here's what Jesus is saying. By saying, our Father, hallowed be your name, you're saying this. Lord, I pray that your name would be glorified in all the earth. That's what it means, our Father, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father, hallowed be your name. You're praying, it's, it is asking that God would glorify his name in all of the earth. But then the second focus that Jesus mentions is not just the glory of God's name, but the establishment of God's kingdom. Look in verse number 2. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom Come. Your kingdom come. Well, what is the kingdom of Jesus? What is the kingdom of God? We talked about that earlier in the summer, but we've all slept since then. The kingdom of God is the reordering of creation. When sin entered the world and darkness began to creep into God's good creation and destruction began to spread from ground zero, Eden, all the way out and covering the whole earth, God sent His Son to that broken world to establish a kingdom that just as the destruction spread from Eden, the order and the blessing would spread from Calvary. This is the kingdom that God has inaugurated and started, that He is reordering His creation for the glory of God. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 2. And He called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons to cure and to cure diseases. And He sent them out to proclaim. The kingdom of God and to heal. I want you to look at this. Notice what the kingdom of God is accompanied with. Healing. Exorcism. Good news. It is the reordering of creation. The very news of the kingdom of God is that God is reordering the world. And despite what it looks like today, there is a day coming when Jesus and the work will be done and Jesus will come again and the kingdom of God is going to fully reorder the world when Jesus comes again. We sang about it at the midnight cry just earlier today. The kingdom of God is the reordering of creation. So when you pray, you start with, Father, hallowed be your name. You're saying, Lord, may your name be glorified in all of the earth. But then second... And may your kingdom be established, is what you're saying. May your kingdom be established. May the order of your goodness be established in my life, in our church, in my family, in your family, in our neighborhoods, in our city, our state, our nation, the world. May this world be ordered for the sake of your kingdom. You're asking those two things. Father, glorify your name. And Father, reorder the earth According to your kingdom. But then the third thing that Jesus says in prayer. Not only are we to pray for the glory of God's name. And the establishment of God's kingdom. We are to offer requests for our daily needs. Notice what he says. Give us each day our daily bread. Give us each day our daily bread. Now we don't live in a society where we have to cook bread on a daily basis. We can go get it sliced in a bag and it's good for a few days. You put it in the refrigerator, it lasts a little longer. We all have needs that we have out there, though. And the whole idea of daily bread in ancient culture is that this is exactly what I need to carry me through the day. It is amazing to me that after acknowledging the glory of God's name and praying for the reordering of God's creation, He wants us and instructs us to pray for our daily needs. Now, this was written to a first century audience. But the same is true today. Lord, give us today everything we need. Give us today everything we need. Be direct. God knows what you need. Listen to Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 8. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Jesus, the Heavenly Father, wants to hear about your daily needs is there something that is burdening you every day lay it before god do you have a need that needs to be met every day lay it before god he wants to hear and also this implies that this is a daily prayer be direct god knows what you need and also be bold god wants us to ask Be bold, God wants us to ask. You know, one of the most convenient things that has ever happened in my preaching is I mentioned about a month ago that I really enjoy Albanese gummy bears. Listen, you all have been so kind to me. I've put on at least five pounds. I've gotten so many gummy bears since I talked about that. And last night as I had opened a bag, my children were there. And I was sipping a Coke Zero, and I was giving a couple of them to each child, and I gave them each three gummy bears. They had to have a red and a blue and a purple. Don't know why, but they all, they all had to have that. And then each of them asked that they could have a sip of my Coke Zero. Of course, their mother's not around, because what kind of parent does this to a bunch of toddlers, right? Right. But anyway, I give them three gummy bears, and I give them each a sip of Coke. And after it's all said and done, everybody walks out, and then my youngest daughter returns back in, Lucy, and she says, hey, Dad, can I have some more gummy bears? I said, honey, you've already had your three gummy bears. And besides, your brother and sister have not, they wouldn't be getting any more, but she said, but you can give them to me. (laughs) And I was thinking, bold. (laughs) That is really bold. Friend, God wants you to ask. God wants you to ask. Now, I've heard this and you've heard this. The Bible says daily bread. It's talking about needs, not wants. I, I get that. But friends, whatever's burdening you, be bold and pray. Be bold and pray. God may say no, but he may say yes. If it's on your heart, pray. Philippians 4, 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. If it's burdening you today, pray and be direct and be bold because Jesus wants you to not only do we see a request for our daily needs but we see a request for daily forgiveness a request for daily forgiveness notice what it says and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us notice this is not a request for salvation This is a pursuit of fellowship. The pursuit of fellowship is both with God and our brothers and our sisters. That a part of this prayer, this is assuming that you are in relationship with Him. You're saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins. And by the way, if Jesus is saying a part of your daily prayer should be confession of sins, don't you think the assumption is that you have sins to confess? When you sin, Confect, make them a part of your confession. Call them by name. Lord, I did this. I was impatient here. I cursed your name here. Lord, I did this here. Lord, I, I went where I shouldn't have had. I said something I shouldn't have had. Whatever it is, you fill in the blank. Confess it each day. 1 John four eleven through 12 says this. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. What this means is this, is that our receiving forgiveness of God and extending forgiveness to other people and the catalyst that takes place when they make this a part of our daily prayers shows God to those around us. A request for daily forgiveness. And then finally, the fifth part is a request for providential leading and lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. Listen to Psalm 19, verse 13. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Listen to Psalm 119, 33. Keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. What are these? These are requests for providential leading. Lord, help me as I face temptation. Lord, don't lead me into temptation. Lord, lead me and I will follow. And friends, I'm out of time, so I don't have time to expound this last thing. But the beginning story that he illustrated this all with is that prayers are to be persistent. Jesus told the story... Of a man who had a visitor to come in the middle of the night and he needed bread. And he went to wake his neighbor. And the story tells us that his neighbor gave bread not because he wanted to. But because of the persistence of the person knocking at the door. Now, it would be improper for us to conclude that God does not want to meet our requests. That's not what the parable is about. The reason this prayer and this praying is to be daily is because the Lord wants it to be persistent within us. Friend, if you really want something and need something and God to do something in your life, you pray daily about it. Now, some of you may be thinking, I just don't know, Brother Matt, I just don't know if this kind of praying, maybe it works for some people, but just just not me. Well, i tell you what. If you have a prayer need, something very personal, and you would like to enter into a time of praying with me specifically, I'll make this commitment with you as a pastor. You have to do this follow-up, though. You call the office this week. And you speak with my assistant because I'll be out of town tomorrow. If you want to speak with me, call later in the week. And I will commit to pray with you about whatever it is that is on your heart for 60 days. You and I will pray for it together for 60 days. And I'm telling you, I don't know how God will answer, but I believe and I've seen God do it over and over again. God will move. So if you would like for me to enter into a season of prayer with you over something for you. It can be as specific or non-specific as you want it to be. You call the office this week. And we will enter into a time of praying where I'll pray at my house. You'll pray at yours. And we'll pray for 60 days. And we'll see what God does. Friends, let's bow our heads in prayer today. Lord, we do bow before you and we just give honor to your name Lord we do pray for your kingdom your reordering to come into our lives and families and marriages and churches and nation Lord we pray that your kingdom might come Lord we also do pray that, Lord you would give us our daily needs everything that we need to accomplish your will for our lives Lord you would open up the windows of heaven and provide Lord, we do confess our sins. I confess my sins. Lord, and I pray that we might confess our sins to each other and forgive each other where we failed each other. And that we would be totally dependent upon your leading to protect us from all harm and to lead us in the way that we should go. And Lord, as a final, final thought, this prayer I know there are people in this room that want to believe that it's true that you answer prayer but they're struggling today Lord today I pray that they would according to your word because you've said it step out and begin to lay their heart and needs in prayer before you. Lord, forgive us for being so prayerless. Strengthen our hearts. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.